So many people are wondering why, if Hamas came across Israel's border, killed 1,400 people, kidnapped several hundred others, did so in a horrific fashion that is the absolute definition of terrorism, families, children, babies, husbands, wives, old people, why is it that such a horrific act seems to have engendered in some people a backlash against Israel, be it the protests on college campuses or the various speakers who keep coming out and saying, Israel better be careful and not hurt anybody. Well, our next guest actually wrote a piece about that. Why Hamas atrocities lead the left to hate Israel more. Shani Moore is a lecturer at the Reichman University in Herzliya, Israel, and joins us from there right now to talk about this. Shani, thank you for coming on with us. Thank you so much for having me on. So it is weird. You would think, well, let's be sympathetic to the victims. But in certain left and far left corners, it only seemed to uh, inflame anti-Israel sentiment. Why is that? Well, you would you would think that, and I think that's the the a sort of standard uh, response for most people. Uh, but the response that you describe um, that happened in in parts of the left and, and the far left actually isn't terribly new. Um, what my article argues is that um, it's a kind of what psychologists refer to as cognitive dissonance resolution. It's the way of making sense of the world without having to abandon the beliefs that you already have. Now, if you're very, very ideologically committed to the idea that Israel is the source of all evil in the world, or certainly in the Middle East, then seeing something like this, being forced to confront acts like the ones that we saw on October 7th, will actually cause your brain to to play a trick on you. You will have to imagine the Israelis as being so much more evil than even you thought before in order to make sense of this without sacrificing the beliefs you have. That's actually been the pattern whenever there's been a terrorist atrocity against Israel. Um, If you recall, during the wave of suicide bombings in the early 2000s, that's when a great deal of um, uh, sort of left-wing talking points on Israel became obsessed with all sorts of spurious charges about Israeli apartheid or or whatever. Um, The more violence was directed against innocent Jews in Israel and occasionally outside of Israel, with Israel being the excuse for it, the more for some people that meant Israel had to be conceived of as even more diabolical. That's how they need to make sense of what they're seeing. Well, you wrote, when it is forbidden to criticize murderers or the society that created them, all that's left is to defame the victims. And you're right. That's basically the rhetoric against Israel has, has is hotter and and more hateful now than it was three weeks ago before this happened, which is sort of ironic. Usually you get the benefit of the doubt of, OK, 1,400 of you were killed. That's the equivalent of 50,000 Americans if you take it on a proportionary thing. You know, even people who hated America uh, felt bad for America after 9-11 and the attack. And yet Israel not only doesn't get that in a lot of quarters, but and I don't expect it in, in, in the pockets of the, uh, of, of the Palestinian world or the you know, pro-Hamas or pro-terrorist world. I don't expect sympathy in Iran or Syria, 
But in America, can you speak to why in America, where people have access to all the information, particularly on college campuses, why there is that feeling, as you wrote, that it's, you're forbidden to criticize the murderers or the society that created to them, so let's go after the victims. Right. So uh, I'll, I'll start by maybe clarifying a bit what I meant by when I said forbidden to criticize, because I think that can be interpreted in two ways, and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm clear about which way I mean. It's, it's not my argument that there's some sort of self-censorship or active censorship going on or that there's pressure not to criticize. That would imply that people do have a critical thought but don't want to enunciate it. That's not what I'm saying. When I, when I, the, the sentence about being forbidden to criticize is from what I took to be a much deeper uh, ideological commitment to the idea that the Palestinian side in the conflict doesn't have any agency. So if you don't if you if you don't think that an observable state can be explained by a Palestinian action or a Palestinian belief or a Palestinian ideology that you think that they only react to things but everything has to have an explanation in something Israel has done then you you can't actually critique it because there's there's no content to critique when you take one side as being only the object of a sentence and never the subject of one then there's nothing to engage with and when you can't mentally engage with that side when nobody will actually ask, well, what do Hamas believe about Jews, about Israel? What did they want? What are their political goals? How have they sought to achieve them before? Or even to engage with the fact that, for example, this is an organization that has a charter that openly calls for the genocide of the Jewish people. And that actually it's an organization that in almost four decades has gone about murdering Jews at every opportunity that it could. So when, when you can't even intellectually engage with them as actors, as the subject of a sentence with its own verb, then all you're left with is, is the Israeli side. Now, what do you do when all you're left with is the Israeli side? You see the Israelis as victims of these horrific acts as they were on the 7th of October, but not just, I mean, we're talking about years of a terror campaign, but, but you're asking about the 7th of October. You see them, and if they have to be the explanation for what happened, and you're already predisposed to think of them as the bad guy, then you now have to imagine them to be not Make just the bad guy, yeah. but a thoroughly evil, yes, as you say, worse, a thoroughly diabolical guy. Shani, when you say that this has happened in, at other times in history and you illustrate where it did happen, uh, now with the social media being so popular, do you feel that social media has helped the situation in any way or has made it worse? It's a difficult question to answer. Um, in a certain sense, I don't know that it's changed very much because like I said, this happened before. The best thing that happened to the Palestinian cause in the 70s was the massacre of the Olympic athletes um, and, uh, and the string of hijackings. And, and the best thing that happened to it uh, in the early 2000s was, was the, the suicide bombing campaign in terms of uh, uh, getting people on board, on side and, and parroting its uh, various claims and talking points. What social media does, of course, um, because of its lack of filters and its lack of gatekeepers, is allow a whole bunch of pathological worldviews out in the open where in, in more guarded establishment media, uh, they have a bit of difficulty getting out. At the same time, it allowed for something else. I mean, uh, in those first hours on the 7th of October, uh, much of the media was really withholding just what the Hamas terrorists were up to. Um, and it was only uh, by um, uh, pictures and, and, and uh, uh, word getting out 
on more informal channels that we actually got to find out what was happening. A, a similar thing happened, by the way, um, with this uh, uh, false story that Israel had uh, bombed a hospital in Gaza. Uh, the, the legacy media, for all of its um, restraint and all of its professionalism and all of its uh, you know, seriousness, actually largely got the story wrong. And had it not been for uh, people in social media and more informal channels, it never would have been forced to correct it. Yeah, which that tepidly did so yeah. this week right. by the New York yeah, Times. And, I, and it's all, it's that, all that too happened, little too late at this yeah, point. Yeah, none of that was accidental, too. I mean, what happened there was that 11 days of pent-up cognitive dissonance were finally released. Um, there was a, a, a portion of, um, and this isn't just the far left, I mean, there was a portion of really mainstream, uh, self-styled, informed opinion that had struggled for 11 days with the idea of Israelis as victims. And so when there was even a hint that maybe there was some horrible thing that could be attributed to Israel, they leapt on it, leapt on it with joy, leapt on it with, with ecstatic uh, headlines, exaggerated death tolls, um, thunderous condemnations. Well, where does that come from? The pain that they were feeling for 11 where days. does that leaping for joy, that exhilaration that the Ivy League professor said he felt when he saw the attacks. Is there any way to say that that just doesn't come from a anti-Semitic hatred of the Jews? Because only people who hate another people revel in any chance to uh, to fame them, even if it's not justified. No, I think that's obviously a huge part of it. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, and I think there's a general intellectual climate that's always looking for bad guys, oppressors, um, and that has mm, found in the Jewish state a kind of dumping ground for all of uh, the global pathologies that it identifies and hates. So Israel will come up in these circles in a whole bunch of incongruous contexts whenever there's an issue to be angry about. I remind you that uh, uh, three three years ago, uh, during uh, all of the attention that was given to racial problems in the U.S. following the George Floyd murder, you had a whole bunch of campus activity supposedly connecting American police brutality to Israel of all places um, yeah. on the flimsiest of associations. Stuff that wasn't just on the fringes. I mean, these were this was uh, argued uh, um, in an article in the New York Review of Books. Yeah, well. It's this phrase intersectionality, which whoever came up with it, I, I wish we could go back in time and erase it, that basically suggests any victim anywhere in the world has something in common with the other victims anywhere in the world and therefore must be supported. And you take Except the details and all the rest of it out. And so this is why you see LBGTQ groups crazily supporting the Palestinians and Hamas when they would be arrested or killed if they tried to practice their lifestyle in the places that they're supporting. But they see them as victims and the oppressed, and they see themselves as the oppressed, and all oppressed must stand together against oppressors, as if this is a one-size-fits-all definition. And that's not the way the world works, and it's a silly classification. But it's part and part, I believe, of why people who really don't understand the Mideast and don't understand Israel and have never set foot in it, i.e. a lot of 18 and 19 and 20-year-old college kids, still go out there angrily protesting and throwing themselves into 
why Israel has to be at fault and why the Palestinians have to be the innocent party. And yet I never hear anyone, and perhaps you can address this as we close, I never hear anyone say, you realize that Hamas was the chosen government of the Palestinians in Gaza. They had an election and they voted them in. They are ruled by Hamas. Hamas makes all their decisions. Hamas is the, is the organization putting out the numbers of how many of them are killed, most of them all inflated. Hamas is the one who makes all the statements on their behalf. If, if, if they truly, people truly call Hamas a terrorist organization, why, don't the, why aren't the Palestinians themselves ever held responsible for being governed by Hamas or not overthrowing Hamas? Well, so they would argue uh, that they that Hamas runs a, a, a very dictatorial regime and that it's very hard to overthrow it or even to speak out against them. And that may be true, but Hamas runs a dictatorial regime in Gaza. It certainly doesn't run a dictatorial regime in the West Bank, and it absolutely doesn't run a dictatorial regime at American universities. And what's fascinating, um, I, I don't enter into the, 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 the minds of uh people who live in Gaza and their political choices uh, because the circumstances are far from ideal to say the least. But what's astonishing to me is that none of the activists in the West who style themselves as pro-Palestinian, um, who do have the freedom to criticize, who do have the freedom to say that something could be better, uh, actually do on the contrary. The things they advocate are the worst things for the Palestinians and, and for Gaza specifically. They claim to be uh, upset about the Israeli blockade on Gaza, but ending the blockade is really simple. It just involves not firing rockets at Israel and accepting the quartet conditions. I don't know any pro-Palestinian academic or intellectual or activist in the West who demands, not for the sake of Israel, but for the sake of Gaza, for example, that, that the uh, governing authorities in Gaza accept the quartet conditions. Right and make it possible right. to end a blockade. Yeah. Why aren't there people in America screaming, get Hamas out of Gaza so that the Palestinians can be free and, and live decent lives? You don't ever hear that argument. It's always Israel's the problem. You know, if, if, yeah. if, if Israel walked away from every piece of land that it's on right now, every Israeli left tomorrow, and all the Palestinians in the world were, were allowed to gather there, but Hamas was still going to rule them. Do you think life would be any different? I, I don't think that life would be any better, even if it wasn't Hamas in that case. Um, the, the important thing to remember is that Israel left Gaza in 2005 completely. Um, and, uh, and, and this is what happened. There were many different possibilities for how that could turn out. Um, it did not need to, to turn into this um, in a certain sense, though, um, you know, as the saying, as the, as the punchline to the old joke goes, I'm, I'm shocked, but not surprised. Yeah. Shani Moore is a lecturer at Reichman University in Herzliya, Israel. You can uh, find this piece on the web. Thank you for spending a little time with us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's 760 WJR.